This program is brought to you by Bible Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. Greetings and welcome to the Berean Break. My name is George A. Sinke and I'm so glad that you could be here with us. Before we go into our study of Hebrews, let's go to God in prayer. Great God, we thank you for this time in our lives and we thank you for the many blessings that you give us. We thank you especially for Jesus who died for our sins. Help us to submit to your will so that we can receive your gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. As always, I encourage you to open your Bible and check out the things that are said here. It is in the Bible that all truth is revealed to us, and it is in the truth that we will have freedom. We have looked at the verses in Hebrews chapter 4, bringing us up to verse 14. So far in the book of Hebrews, we have seen that Jesus is superior to prophets, angels, and Moses. We have also looked at two very important warnings, the warning against neglect and the warning against unbelief. As we mentioned several times in this series, a key thought throughout the book is that Jesus is superior. And I would like to add to that that the theme that Jesus is superior and the new covenant that he brought into the world is superior to the Mosaic law and the patriarchal law and any of the other laws that God gave throughout all history before Jesus. Now, picking up the end of Hebrews chapter 4, we are going to start a longer section that deals with one basic topic. That topic is the superiority of Christ's work, which is dealt with from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, through Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 18. Now we're going to break that down into sections and into several points and subpoints so that we can cover it a little better. And it's going to take us several studies to cover this. From the end of chapter 4 here to the end of chapter 7, the writer deals mainly with the priesthood of Jesus and how his priesthood is better than the Levitical priesthood. Let's look first at the rest of Hebrews chapter 4, where we will see the superiority of priesthood based on the superiority of his position. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the high priest of the Christian, and since he is, it should give the Christian confidence. This confidence will cause us to hold fast to our confession. By confession, the writer is referring to the Christian's commitment to Christ. In the beginning part of verse 14, we it also says that Jesus has passed through the heavens. Remember I said that this book was written to people 
who had a good knowledge of Jewish culture, this phrase is one of those that we might not fully understand unless we dig into Jewish thought. Let me ask you this. Where did the Jewish high priest serve? Well, he served here on earth, of course. Under the Old Testament system, that high priest ministered for his life here. And the closest that he came to entering the dwelling place of God was once a year when he went into the Holy of Holies and came before the mercy seat. Now contrast that with Jesus, the Christian's high priest. When he took the sin offering before the Lord, he did not enter the shadowy figure of the presence of God. He entered into the very heaven of God. To do this, he passed through the heaven. In Jewish thought, there are three heavens. The first heaven is where the birds fly and the clouds float. Today, we call that the Earth's atmosphere. The second heaven is where the stars and moon, the sun, and the planets are located. Today, we refer to that as outer space. Then the Jews had a third heaven, which was the dwelling place of God. This is what we usually think of when we say heaven. The first and second heavens are part of the creation of God that we read about back in Genesis chapter 1. At the end of time, the first and second heavens will cease to exist along with all the rest of the physical creation, as we read about in 2 Peter chapter 3. The third heaven, the dwelling place of God Almighty, has always existed and will always exist. Jesus passed through the first and second heavens and entered into the third heaven and serves there as the Christian's high priest. This passing through is not so much a change of location as it is a change of realm. Which high priest is superior, the Jewish high priest or Jesus, the Christian's high priest? It's not hard to see that Jesus is superior. Then the writer brings out the humanity of Jesus by pointing out that Jesus was tempted. This shows the humanity of Jesus because God cannot be tempted. We learn this in James chapter 1 and verse 13, where James writes, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. This is part of what Jesus took upon himself in becoming a man and giving up equality with God. We read of this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, where Paul writes, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him 
and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we also learn from Hebrews chapter 4 that since Jesus was tempted as we are, this enables him to sympathize with us. To sympathize means to feel with us. He knows what it is like to be a human. God did this not only so that Jesus could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, but also to make it so we can't stand before God and say, you just don't know what it's like to be a human. God does know because Jesus, who is a part of the Godhead, did become human and was tempted, not just in a few things, but look again at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. He was tempted in all things as humans are. The next little phrase is very important as well. That phrase is, yet without sin. Now, I have encountered people who say it is a sin to be tempted. But when that teaching is checked out in the Bible, it has no support. And as a matter of fact, we learn just the opposite is true. This is one of the passages that shows that a person can be tempted, but does not have to sin. Look back again at James chapter 1, and this time let's read verses 14 through 15. James 1, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You see, we are tempted when we lust for or desire something. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus desired food. He was hungry. And Satan used this desire that he had to try to get Jesus to sin. We read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, Since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now Jesus could have given in to this temptation and obeyed the words of the devil, but instead he relies on the word of God. Matthew records two other temptations of Jesus here, but just like us, Jesus was tempted in many ways throughout his life. There's a big difference between Jesus and us though, and that is that he never sinned. He could sin, but he chose not to sin. Let's read again Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Notice what this indicates. Remember, we've been talking about Jesus being the Christian's high priest. Now we see the throne involved. This brings out the aspect that Jesus is a king as well. Since Jesus is a priest king, it is not surprising that Christians have these same aspects. Read with me 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 
but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Since we have this close relationship, we can come to God with confidence. Would you like to have confidence before the Lord? You can if you will hear his, the word of God and have faith and obey it. This is how we develop faith according to God. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Then based on your faith, you need to repent of your sins. Just like Peter told those on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Confession is also important in our relationship with God. As Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 10 and verses 32 and 33, Everyone therefore who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. And then as Peter also said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, a person has to be immersed in water, that is baptized, for the forgiveness of their sin. Once you have done these things, then you will be a child of God and can come before the Father and Jesus with confidence. None of these are works of merit. They are works of humble obedience, because God is sovereign and has the ultimate authority to determine His will. This Berean Break is brought to you here in East River, South Dakota, by the Pre-Denominational Church of Christ, that meets at 1600 East First Avenue in Mitchell, South Dakota. You are welcome to meet with us at 10 o'clock Sunday mornings for our assembly, followed by a time of Bible study, and also on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for an additional time to study God's Word. If you have a comment or a sincere Bible question, please call or text me at 605-770-5555. This Berean break is brought to you in West River, South Dakota by the pre-denominational Prairie City Church of Christ. And they also meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And you can contact them at 605-593-7054. This is George A. Sinke with the Lord's Church. Goodbye for now, and remember to check out what I have taught with God's Word. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.